0: of our study of anger. This is from Matthew 5, 21 through 26. So let's start there again. You have heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So And last time we discussed a few key things. One, Jesus is getting at the heart of the law. It's not just murder that God is concerned with, but also the impulses of our hearts that would ever lead us to something so horrible. Two, this is a huge issue for our society. It feels like everywhere we turn, someone is angry at someone else and there's very little pause to consider anything beyond our own point of view. Going deeper, we discussed how permissible anger is. In fact, I and I love the example you gave, Van, of being told that if you're sad, make it look like you're angry. Actually, maybe love is not the best word there, but the example is demonstrative of the point. Three, we also talked about how Jesus switches from the vertical orientation of what God sees in our hearts to the very practical way in which these feelings are then meted out in our horizontal relationships. God is very concerned in how we treat others. And so four, when we look at the concept of an altar for some religious activity, God wants us to leave our gift there and go be reconciled if we recall anyone who might be angry with us. And, and that's where we left off last time. We started talking about communion as an altar, and then we consider Roman 12's description of our bodies as living sacrifices. And Tim, I think that's where you want to pick it up again.
2: Yeah, so uh, when you were talking about that van before of how our bodies are living sacrifices, I was thinking about in Ephesians where Paul says to not even let the sun go down while you're still angry. And he talks about not giving the devil a foothold there. And that last part of giving the devil a foothold really ties into what we're saying of how this anger affects us. But when he says, well, why why wouldn't you let the sun go down while you're still angry? I think it connects to what you were saying. If your body is a temple mm-hmm. and your life is a living sacrifice, and Jesus says Leave your sacrifice and your gift of the altar if someone has something against you, then Paul's saying, You've got to deal with it right there and then. Like this, you're this can't go on in Our lives, so it's not like oh, I'm only going up to Jerusalem three times a year, and I can be angry for four months of the year, and then Mm. I have to deal with it, or that I have to deal with it in every Saturday before I go to church. Uh, There's a there's a sense where no, I have to deal with this every day, and not let these things grow and fester until they become much more deeply rooted in my Mm -hmm. heart.
0: Tim, what you just said reminds me of Ephesians four. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. At the beginning of that chapter, Paul writes, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. So humility, gentleness, and patience are keys to connection with others, keys to loving people and Keys to ridding anger from our hearts. I, I like how you said we need to deal with anger right away, Tim. I, we can't just let it fester. We, we can't give the devil a foothold. And when I was thinking about the concept of altar, I think it grew for me from communion in our bodies to everything we might do, every religious activity. The altar or mitzbeach means place of slaughter or sacrifice the purpose of this place of slaughter or sacrifice was to bring together God and man. It was a place for expressions of both gratitude and supplication. So first, I think we have to, we have connection back to Jesus's words and that what we are doing at the altar is trying to connect with God. But he, he's saying he doesn't want that from us when we've ignored our horizontal relationships. I, I kept thinking about the temple and these all and the altar and and I noticed something else. The the two main altars um, in the temple um, represent these activities of gratitude and supplication or asking God to do something. One altar was the altar of burnt offering, and then the other altar was the altar of incense. So I think the first thing to note is what we've been talking about with communion, Jesus's sacrifice on the cross fulfills the entire sacrificial system of atonement, the goal of which is to bring together God and, and mankind. At the cross, we have a feast of grace. However, that's not an altar God wants us to visit when we are treating others contrary to the way God treats us in Christ. And second, this the altar of incense, today that's, for Christians, that's our prayers. We see that in places like Revelation 4, 5:8 where our prayers are are likened to incense going before God's throne and in Revelation 8:4 we see what God does with this incense of prayer it prompts him to act powerfully but here too we read things like our prayers being hindered because we're not reconciled with others you see that in 1 Peter 3 and famously in Jesus's teaching on prayer in Matthew 6 but wait that's not all in Hebrews 13, 15, we're called to continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. So sharing your faith is a sacrifice of praise. And the writer continues, and do not forget to do good and to share with others for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. So doing good and sharing with others, i.e. giving or hospitality are sacrifices too. Money is a sacrifice. In Matthew 15 and and Mark 7, Jesus refers to the gift devoted to God or korban. This word korban is the same word used to describe the entire sacrificial offerings. And Van, you mentioned our bodies, Romans 12, 1 through 2, are to be living sacrifices. Basically, everything we possess is to be laid before God. Even our desires are to be transformed into godly ones. So like you, Tim, I am cut by the need to be reconciled with others. It's not something that can just be shoved to the side is not really that important. Before, Before I share my faith, before I give my money, before I do a good deed, before I share something, before I take communion, before I even desire something, basically before I participate in any religious activity, I need to get right with others.
2: Yeah. And I think it might be helpful... Cause that's like a really strong statement and it's easy to, it's easy to hear that and say, yeah, but it's still more important for me to like go to church than it is for me to be right with the people I'm interacting with. Like on a practical, practical level, I'm going to have more, there's going to be more consequences (laughs) for me if I, am just if i if i leave that place of worship and and instead of like letting something fester and and so i just when you're saying all that like i'm in total agreement i just wanted to read i think first john is so helpful for me in this because it just puts it so it literally puts it black and white hmm. and there's, just a few, there's several scriptures here. I'll just read a couple verses. And 1 John 2, he says, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother and sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there's nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. And I think it's another one in 1 John for it says, we love because he first loved us. Mm. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. And so, I mean, John's just <laughs> repeating what Jesus said, right? <laughs> uh, but to me, it, it helps to hear it in these multiple places. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, our horizontal relationships are essential <laughs> to how we live out our faith.
0: We would be colossal hypocrites if mm-hmm. we go to remember how much Jesus sacrificed for us to to die for us for our sins, and then we're like not forgiving someone, we're not dealing with something mm-hmm. that's happened horizontally. It's the it's the Matthew eighteen, you yeah. know. That whole second. And
1: that scripture in 1 John 4, 19, is a, it is a slap in the face. Yeah. Um, because, again, anger is so permissible, so acceptable in our society today that it is so acceptable that people will not even acknowledge a good idea that someone has— <laughs> if they have, if there's any basis of anger, that if Mm. they're divided politically, if they're divided racially, if they're divided, you know, this is a podcast and we're on the radio. So if you don't know me, you might not know I'm a black man. I grew up believing, and I believe this for uh, well into my 20s, um, that I couldn't really have a good relationship with a white person because they hate all of us, and because they hate all of us, I hate all of them. That I was told that, and uh, and so it it hindered my thought, and I just thought, well, that means I can only have good relationships with only black people, because I'm assuming that if somebody's from another race, they probably hate me already, and it was this flawed logic, that that hindered my heart when it came to relationships. And it, it, it it's just, it's so difficult for me because I see it when I read the verse, when I read the passage, and it says, you cannot love God whom you do not see if you do not love your brother whom you do see. Mm. And we're not even talking about anger here in the traditional sort of good old red-blooded American sense of anger. You know, I'm angry at the Yankees because they're the (laughs) rivals to the Red Sox kind of thing. We're talking about, he's talking about love here. And that this is, it's so intense that I have to love my brother because if I don't, I cannot. It doesn't say you don't, if you don't love your brother, you don't love God. It says, if you don't love your brother, you, you cannot. It's it's an impossibility. And that's the mm-hmm. other thing about, about anger, wow. putting a seed in your heart. Tim, I love what you said about the passage of, in Ephesians about not going to bed, not letting the sun set on your anger, and you know thinking about the analogies of the altar being your body. If you were getting ready to go to bed one night and you saw a tick embedded in your <laughs> forearm, you would not say, oh, there's a tick. Good night, honey. You would, I would, I would sound the fire alarm. I'm wanting to call an ambulance. I'm like, (laughs) I could get Lyme disease. How do you get a tick out? We're Googling, how do you get a tick out? How do you, how do you, how do you deal with this? Because this thing, this tiny little, almost microscopic thing is a threat to my life. And uh, that's what anger is. Anger, anger does that to you, hmm. and yet that's what my logical mind says. But in the way that I came up, it's like somebody cuts me off in traffic, and I'm instantly angry, <laughs> ah. right? Instantly, and I think I've got so much to work on here. I see why Jesus said, "Leave your gift at the altar," that you can we, you can take care of that later. This you have to take care of now because it, uh, I, I like I said last time, this could kill you. And this could kill not just you, but it could kill a lot of people. And, you know, it could physically, yes, sure, but spiritually, even more so, it could really destroy a fellowship.
0: You are so right. But all I can think of right now, do you guys remember the old Disney cartoons where, I think it's Goofy? He's this mild-mannered, Goofy- bye see you later going off to work and then as soon as he gets under behind the wheel he goes
1: and is <laughs> like super angry yes, i remember that <laughs> right i remember that yeah. yeah oh my
0: gosh um i have become a massachusetts driver i used to be from <laughs> portland and every time i go back there i get annoyed at how nice people are on the road mm-hmm. they come to a yield and they're like you go no you go no, you go. And I'm behind them going, Get out of my way. I'll go. Yeah. yeah. And, um, ah. So, if we can pivot, I think we've discussed how serious anger is. It's really not a laughing matter. And mm-hmm. it can lead to these, it's pervasive in our society. It is all around us. Mm-hmm. And we live in a very polarized time. And social media stokes it up, you know. You you get a feed, and and it it knows what you, you know, and you keep hearing one side of things until you can't possibly think that anything on a different point of view could be right at all. And honestly, none of that really matters anyway. But how can we welcome others, right? I loved what you said, Tim, using First um, John, um, because it is so true. Uh, God is is totally holy and found a way to welcome us by the sacrifice of jesus and we spit on that when we do not show the same mercy to other people and Mm -hmm. and i think that it reminds me of the go and learn what this means i desire mercy not sacrifice Mm -hmm. you know before we do all our religious stuff uh let's let's pay attention to the more weightier things of the law like justice and mercy mm-hmm. and i think that um so now if we could pivot though because i think we could take this to the other extreme a little bit are we held hostage from worship by other people's feelings and if not and i i would hate to do this should we qualify jesus's words i don't i'm very uh, apprehensive about doing that because I don't want to um, qualify anything that might just seem hard because he said it. Um, but I want, I would want to do it, it. Are there other passages that of scripture that might shed light on, on the heart behind what Jesus is getting at um, as we seek to answer, are we held hostage from worship, all worship by other people's feelings?
2: Yeah. I Well, I think the point that you're saying of we've got to understand this, we've got to look at everything that the Bible is saying about this. Jesus is our teacher and he's the one who is, he's our point guy, but he also talks, uh, not in many other places other than just Matthew five through seven. And uh, his disciples also speak, Inspired through the uh, Holy Spirit, and so we we don't want to just focus just on one place and adopt an interpretation that makes the Bible and and God Himself contradict Himself. And so I, I think it's it's really a really good question, and if we're as long as we're approaching this question from a perspective of I want to understand instead of mm-hmm. i want to explain away right. which is really easy to mm-hmm. it's really easy to kind of make the those two murky in mm-hmm. our hearts and mm-hmm. sometimes we don't even know but as long as we i think as we have to try to have that place of understanding first mm-hmm. so uh, that i think is just a really important point because we're going to be doing this a bunch in the coming Episodes as well, mm-hmm. and trying mm-hmm. to this is a this is a challenging teaching. Where else can we understand what Jesus might mm-hmm. mean? Yeah, by looking at other scriptures.
1: Yeah, I think of the I think of the passage that I believe that you referred to it, Matt, where Jesus was talking to the Pharisees about korban, mm-hmm. and um, he says to them, "It's in Matthew chapter fifteen, towards the end of his um his uh, condemnation of what they're saying." He says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Hmm. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. And that gets at something we've talked about in previous sessions about this aspect of performative religion. Jesus is not as interested in how you perform, in how you act, as he is how you are. And what the Pharisees had done is they they'd created a loophole that allowed them not to do the thing that was at the heart of the matter, taking care of their parents. You need to take care of your parents. He, they, were, they figured out a loophole where they could get out of that. They could give some money to the temple and say, that was the money that I would have spent. Because obviously, God is more important than my dad and mom. And even Jesus said that, didn't he say that in some in some context, But he's talking about uh, we we've got to get to the heart of the matter, and that that's something that he does throughout this entire sermon. He is getting to the heart of the matter. And so, in that sense, am I held hostage by what somebody else thinks? Well, Paul said, and I wish I knew the reference off the top of my head. Did didn't Paul say, "Who's led into sin, and I do not inwardly burn? Hmm. Who uh, it, shouldn't I rejoice with those who rejoice? Shouldn't I mourn with those who mourn?" We're in this thing together. We're we're a body together. So, am I held hostage by my brother's shortcoming, by my brother's sin, in the in as much there, if that, if I if there's anything that I can do about it, if there's anything that I can change, if there's anything that I can help him with, then I suppose yes, I am. But that's okay, because we all are.
0: Well, what about um, uh, what about Jesus then? In the last year of his life, when all of the Pharisees hated him, mm-hmm. should he? have foregone any worship until he went out and tried to get resolved with all of them because they hated him.
2: Yeah. That's, that's the first thing that I thought of. Um, but I do think that, <laughs> man, like, man, that was a, that was a really challenging. <laughs> it's so, when I a- hear a question like this, the first thing that I think about is how am I individually affected? I don't think about how is the body of Christ affected? Mm-hmm. I think in terms of I, instead of a we. So what mm-hmm. you're, what you just made me do, Van, is you made me think about how is, how is the we affected? Um, when it, 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 and so if, and I think that's where the, if I'm just trying to understand this in order to explain something away, that's where I feel like I'm I'm getting really convicted because I might be just saying, oh, uh, I don't need to reconcile because it in this particular case, because I didn't do anything wrong. It doesn't affect me. Um, with that being said, like what you just said, Matt. I. I thought of two scriptures and one is right after what you just quoted van the disciples came to him and asked do you know that the pharisees were offended when they heard this when when he said that their teachings Mm -hmm. were vain and he said every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots leave them they are blind guides if the blind lead the blind both will fall into a pit and he Jesus kind of reiterates on that in John 17 that the world's going to hate us mm-hmm. because it hated him and it's that's yeah. brought up in 1 John 3. So there's It's,
0: it's brought up a lot of pla- in the Sermon on the Mount. In the it's, Sermon on the Mount. You know, right? You'll blessed when those when you're persecuted for righteousness' sake. Yeah.
2: So if you're persecuted because of righteousness' sake, someone's angry at yeah. you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so this this isn't a just because someone doesn't like you or is angry at you, therefore you've done something wrong and right. you can't worship that, that, that can't be what it means. Cause it right. makes no sense. Right. It just internally so, contradicts.
0: So if we were to qualify this, we would say, if you actually did something wrong, if you sinned some way against someone and 99.9999% of the time, that's probably true. <laughs> if someone is harboring feelings, I mean, I could see like public figures like Jesus or maybe you've got, you've preached a fiery sermon one day and a lot of people are like ruffled, ruffled a lot of feathers and they might have something against you, but it was the right thing to say. Um, you should probably still have conversations and try to get mm-hmm. reconciled with people, but I don't think that should stop you from taking communion. That's how I interpret mm-hmm. it. And then the other thing I think of is Romans 12, where it says, if possible, Mm. So far as it depends on you, live right. peaceably with
1: yep. all. I was gonna, I was gonna bring that same mm-hmm. scripture up, if possible. That's a, that's a, that's a big piece in there, um, and I think that Jesus did try, in some ways, to be at peace with the Pharisees as much as it was possible.
2: I wonder how much the word brother comes into play here, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. your brother or sister has something against you is not. Jesus doesn't say if anyone has, mm-hmm. and now I don't want to be like the teacher of the law, who's like, "Who's my neighbor?" And Jesus is like, <laughs> "Everyone's your neighbor." So I don't. I'm like, I don't know if that really means what what Jesus means by that. Um, and it, and it still could. You could still have a situation where someone else might really just be nursing a grudge. And you've tried you've done everything you can um, mm-hmm. to to try to be reconciled, and that's that hasn't happened. Um but I, I, I think that as far as it depends on you is a kind of a good ground rule because it, it means that like I've tried, right? Mm-hmm. I just right. Ha- I haven't just like token tried, but I've really done everything I can to try to be reconciled yeah. with this person.
0: And that's maybe a good place to end. So just to wrap it up, we covered the altar and we said it's our whole life, basically. And we have to deal with the horizontal relationships that we see before we worship God, who we don't see. That said, living a life devoted to God will mean we ruffle feathers from time to time. So where we're ending here is with Paul's qualification. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. All right, join us next time when we wrap up the topic of anger.